0: You're listening to a message from the Winsboro Church of Christ. This is the Winsboro.Church podcast. If you have any questions, comments, or prayer requests, you can get in touch with us at any time through our website at Winsboro.Church. This is a picture of I-30 going through Dallas at one of the Mixed Masters. Uh, It has many throughout the Dallas-Fort Worth area, and I am not even sure exactly which one this is because they keep changing them. Every time I seem to go through Dallas or need to go through Dallas-Fort Worth, I think I know the area because... I drove, I've driven through many, many, many times, having grown up in North Texas and up and down I-35 and across I-20 and I-30, and but every time I seem to go back and need to go through or to DFW, I usually get lost. Now, I'm listening to my phone, GPS, giving me my turn-by-turn, turn, but sometimes I'm thinking, well, that's not right, that's not how it is, but it is now, they changed it and they didn't bother to tell me, or, The phone tells me to do something, and I am, well, there's not a road there anymore. Apparently you had yesterday's map, and they've changed it today. I feel like it's changing constantly. And last week, we looked at how we intersect God, His grace, in surprising ways. Because things do change. We cross over a path, we cross over a road we didn't know was there before, and God surprises us. And our life has some wow moments of God showing up, of his spirit showing up, of God doing things often and most frequently through his people. And when God does that, we might be surprised and think, well, things are changing. My spiritual walk is changing. And even, you know, the things that are in the church, they ebb and they flow and they experience change as well. The gospel remains the same. The message of Jesus Christ remains the same, that he is king, that he is Lord, that he is our savior in the hope of eternity. But God is still at work. It's not stagnant. And so we will be surprised. Now this is a picture of the Appian Way, one of the oldest roads in the world, a world that existed in the time of Jesus, that this road was part of the Roman network of roads that they carried all across their empire and really they were one of the best empires at building roads and it was a huge benefit to the strength of their empire both the military who could use those roads to get quickly from place to place and put down revolutions and revolts and also of course the economy. And so the the network of Roman road system is what some people believe helped spread Christianity so well. And the roads like this one, the Appian Way, were how the apostles traveled, how Paul traveled, how others carried the message of Jesus and maybe even carried the very letters that Paul wrote, the original copies of books like, well, the book to the Romans, the letter to the Romans, or the letter to the Corinthians, the Ephesians. The thieves would have traveled across Roman roads. And then think about, like the Appian Way, some of those roads are still here. They've been around for over 2,000 years. Now, sometimes I feel like the roads. I've been on, don't last 20 minutes, then they repave a road, and before I know it, it's got a pothole. Now, I'm sure the Appian Way has its fair share of potholes, but I have to admit, the Romans knew how to build a road. Goodness, if it's lasted 2,000 years, that's impressive. And some things change overnight, maybe I-30 going into the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex, but some things remain the same. And that is very true in our faith as well. That God has promised in some ways, for some roads, for some intersections, especially where we intersect him, God has laid those in stone. Or even more permanently, he's laid those in his very promises. And what we're going to be looking at today is the promise of baptism potentially the biggest intersection of our life, where we come into contact with God's grace and God established baptism. He he laid the map out for us to see and use and to have and, and, and an act to follow as Jesus himself was baptized. And it's not going away. It hasn't gone away. Not everybody agrees with exactly how it's to be done. Not everybody agrees with exactly for what purpose it is done. But baptism is a permanent fixture in our faith, as it should be. It is an intersection we know is there and isn't changing because God has laid out those stones. God has laid out that path for us to follow, the path that follows Jesus. Matthew chapter 3, starting in verse 13. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John to be baptized by him in the Jordan River. But John tried to prevent him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and yet you come to me. So Jesus replied to him, let it happen now, for it is right for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then John yielded to him. After Jesus was baptized, just as he was coming up out of the water, the heavens opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my one dear Son. In him I take great delight. Before Christians were called Christians, they were called followers of the way. And the way very much refer to the idea of a path, of a road. Followers of the road, followers of the road that Jesus walked. And that's the road we take in the beginning of Jesus' walk, the beginning especially of his earthly ministry that we see portrayed for us in the gospel accounts is his baptism. His baptism where As far as an intersection goes, intersecting grace, we have an amazing moment because we have the intersection of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. We get from Scripture this idea of the Trinity, of the three persons of the Godhead, as some would say. But the word Trinity is not in Scripture, and the idea Godhead, not really a word used in Scripture. But what is in Scripture is the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. But not very often, actually, do they all show up at the same place at the same time in the same verse. There's a few. The verse that I quote at the end of our worship service, the very last verse of the book of Second Corinthians... May the love of God and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. That's how Paul closes out his letter, and I've been using it to kind of close out our worship service. I think it's a beautiful passage, and it has all three right there. But that did not happen very often, and one of the other time, few times that it happens is here in Jesus' baptism, where we get this intersection of Jesus, of course, is present, the Son, But then visibly, powerfully, the Holy Spirit is there as well, coming down out of heaven like a dove, descending like a dove. Not necessarily shaped like a dove, but the way it comes down with the grace and smoothness and the way that it would come to rest is like a dove coming to rest on a branch, but of course it's coming to rest on the sun. And so Jesus, the Son, is connected to the Holy Spirit, And then God the Father speaks out of heaven. A voice from heaven, the voice of the Father says, This is my Son, pronouncing upon him his pleasure. This is my Son, whom I love, with whom I am, with him I am well pleased. That's a wonderful example of, and not just example, but a wonderful, really invitation as Jesus calls us into relationship with him. We don't just have a relationship with Jesus. We have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. We have a relationship with the Father. And what better marker for that beginning than this moment of baptism, where Jesus was baptized and we get baptized. We follow Jesus down into the waters of baptism. And on this side of the cross, we see that baptism Represents, because scripture tells us, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. We die to ourselves. We are buried like Jesus was buried, but then we rise to walk in newness of life, a life where we are connected to and saved by our relationship to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Notice Jesus' reply to John, verse 15. So Jesus said to him, Let it happen now, for it is right for us to fulfill all righteousness. John was hesitant to baptize Jesus. He said, Wait a second, this is backwards. I should be baptized by you. You don't don't need to be baptized, Jesus. And of course he didn't. Jesus said, No, I don't need to, but it's right and it is for the purpose of fulfilling righteousness. Galatians chapter 3, verse 26, For in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. And there is now neither Jew nor Greek, neither slave nor free, neither male nor female, for all of you are one In Christ, we have clothed ourselves with Christ. We join Christ in His journey. Last week, we talked about how God surprises us and intersects our life. And here, really, in baptism, is the invitation for our life to intersect Jesus's, for us to put on Christ, to walk in His way, to be born into a new life, to be born again following Him. And notice what Galatians. Chapter 3, starting in verse 23, says, Just before, now before faith came, we were held in custody under the law, being kept as prisoners until the coming faith would be revealed. Thus the law had become our guardian, our teacher, our protector, the one that guided us. It became our guardian until Christ, so that we could be declared, do you see it? Righteous. By faith in Christ, we are declared righteous, and we put on Christ in baptism. And just as Jesus' baptism was for righteousness, so is ours. Our baptism mirrors his. It's a place where our life comes into contact with the very life of Jesus, and hopefully just the first one. It's the beginning, and there's so much more to come, both in the life of Jesus, obviously, but in our life. Serving and doing and working and letting God work in us. See, as the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit intersect, well, it's almost like we are there too. And as the child ourselves, the child of God, becoming the child of God in this moment of baptism, just as Jesus was baptized for righteousness, so are we. Now, we also need the forgiveness of sin, something Jesus didn't need, but that is freely given too because of what Jesus did, not here in the moment of the baptism, but in the moment of the cross and his resurrection. That as our Lord, he invites us into this moment, into this intersection, and then provides the grace needed for it, intersecting grace. And like Jesus being baptized to fulfill righteousness. Then in our favorite Church of Christ verse, we see the Holy Spirit. Peter said to them, Repent and each one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Just as Jesus had his baptism, the visible manifestation of the Holy Spirit came upon him and stayed upon him beginning the calling, his anointing as king for his kingdom. In Israel, the king was anointed. That's what anointed means. Well, you know what word is anointed? Messiah, Christ. That's what they mean. And they imply a king. And when, well, when was Jesus anointed? In the moment of his baptism. Anointed not in, by the water or by John the prophet, but by the Holy Spirit himself coming and staying upon him in that moment, projected him, propelled him into his earthly ministry as he proclaimed the coming kingdom of God. And whenever we are baptized, it's not visible. We don't see it coming down. We don't see the Holy Spirit coming down like a dove. But we have the promise the promise that Peter gave. The promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far away, as many as the Lord our God will call to Himself. The promise of forgiveness and the Holy Spirit. Just as Jesus connected with the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit came and stayed upon him in His baptism, it's really, we follow that same path. We follow that same way. We have that similar moment when the Holy Spirit comes upon us. And Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 talks about the Holy Spirit some more, how we receive it. And when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, when you believed in Christ, and he doesn't mention baptism here. I don't want to pretend that he does, but that believing in Christ scripturally, I think, connects to and corresponds and correlates to baptism as in Acts chapter 2. But whenever that happened, when you did believe and surrender, You are marked with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit, who is the down payment of our inheritance until the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of his glory. We get a down payment. We get a taste of what's to come. And it's the Holy Spirit in us. Just as the Holy Spirit very much was in Jesus, the Son of God communing with the Holy Spirit of God, all connected and abiding and being the fulfillment of the Father God, the Holy Spirit's in us. And again, I think we have to, uh, it's natural to see baptism is meant to be this place where that connection happens with, this, with all these roads cross. Now look at Colossians chapter 2. Having been buried with him in baptism, you also have been raised with him through your faith in the power of God who raised him from the dead. And even though you were dead in your transgressions and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, he nevertheless made you alive with him, having forgiven all your transgressions He has destroyed what was against us, a certificate of indebtedness expressed in decrees opposed to us. He has taken it away by nailing it to the cross, disarming the rulers and authorities. He has made a public disgrace of them, triumphing over them by the cross. In baptism, we've been raised from the dead already. And we've also been set free from the accusations being held against us. And so I see in a very like way, just as God pronounced upon Jesus, this is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Now God, in our baptism, because we are following Jesus and letting his grace and mercy and forgiveness and life fill us up, God looks down, I am well pleased with them. And the, the detractors Satan would say, ah, but wait, I've got this long list of all the ways in which they're sunk, of all the ways in which they can't do it. And Jesus says, let me see that list. And he nails it to the cross. It's done. When God looks at us because of the nailing of that list to the cross. When God looks at us, He says, there's my child, there's my son, there's my daughter. I am well pleased, because there's now nothing that condemns and stands against them, because they've received the promise, the promise of forgiveness in the Holy Spirit that comes in baptism. A a beautiful moment and a beautiful picture, and one I think we should embrace and not be shy about not be timid about not be brutal about not uh, i mean we're pretty passionate about baptism in churches of christ and sometimes i've heard some pretty heated debates about it and i exchange of you no know, what we read have of showing what we read in scripture and why and You know, that's good. That's healthy. But let's not take this beautiful thing, baptism, and beat other people over the head with it. Let's rather just keep inviting them, saying, come and join in it. Don't you see how God shows up? Because he's promised to show up. God will show up in other ways in your life in other moments. And he'll surprise you. Come to the place he's invited you to join him in the water, to die to yourself, to be buried, and then to be resurrected. And God says, I will always be there. More permanent than anything, more permanent than the Appian Way and those stones still laying there that are as old as Jesus himself as far as his earthly life here in this world. Baptism is even more permanent because it's a promise of God. It says, I will meet you there that's an intersection, that's a road, that's a way, that's a path for you to follow that will continue. Jesus shows us the way to go, and we follow in his footsteps, fulfilling righteousness, receiving the Holy Spirit, and being declared God's child with whom he is pleased being declared righteous, being declared in right relationship with God. Three things I want to mention about in this idea of this intersection of baptism that is one of the most profound intersections of our life. One is it is for salvation. I believe that it is. I believe that's what Peter said in the book of Acts when he preached at Pentecost. I believe it's what's reiterated in the letters of Paul. And I believe it's, Uh, what's commanded in the Great Commission by Jesus himself. And so, uh, to me, it's pretty simple that we are called to be baptized and that that baptism is inherently a a core part of our salvation. But again, I I don't want to beat other people over the head with it. I also want to make sure we know that baptism does not exclude grace, particularly having a right view of baptism is not more important than grace, or having a right view of baptism doesn't mean we still don't need grace. And here's the thing, we might not have a perfect idea of baptism. I mean, I believe we follow the teachings, and that's what God asks, and it's simple, But I would imagine in our church, a few different people have a few different understandings of precisely what baptism might mean or the best way to do it or the most important part about it or a important part about it not even the most important part about it. But even in the Churches of Christ, we've had disagreement about some of the specifics of what's to be said, how it's to be said, what's to be done, how it's to be done. And so here's the thing. We still need grace. And the good thing is, grace is there. Baptism is where we intersect grace. And so I want to humble, I guess, uh, my view of baptism just with the idea of I might not have the perfect understanding of it. That's okay. I want to follow Jesus. And so I was baptized follow him like he asked me to, knowing that he gives grace. And let's be careful that we give the same message to others. That we don't just, oh, they're wrong about baptism. They're wrong about baptism. And there's no grace for them unless they get it exactly right. Well, slow down. Our God's a God of grace, and He intersects us with that grace. And He points us to this amazing baptism that I want to point others to. And say, come, be baptized for the forgiveness of sins, just like Peter said, for your salvation. Because here's where grace is. And our whole lives need a whole lot of grace, but here's one of the biggest places of grace, and let's not miss it. And stemming from that, Baptism isn't just about salvation. I would say maybe even more so it's about relationship. That, again, it is how we come into contact and how we become able to be in the presence of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. Now, baptism is a place where all this culminates. And it's not the beginning of our walk with God. And I mean, sorry. It's not the end of our walk with God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit. It's the beginning. We're just getting started, and there's so much more to appreciate and to live out and to surrender to. But it's a, baptism isn't just about getting our ticket punched. Okay, now we can be on the train to heaven. You know, we have done what we needed to do. We're good. Woo. Now, baptism is God waving us over, giving us imagery of going down a road and passing all these roads and intersections. Baptism is a place where God's waving us over, not just to give us a gift, but to say, join me. Take this road and follow me. And and when we take the road and we join in with all the others who've been baptized before us, and at the very head of this caravan is Jesus himself who was baptized first. And we're following Him. And baptism kind of pulls us into this stream, down this way, like the other Christians were called, headed towards God the Father, but following Jesus the Son, being filled with the Holy Spirit. And then lastly, the baptism is also a marker. The other day, Lisa and Slater went walking around on our property. We have almost nine acres, so it's not a huge amount of land, but some of it's pretty thick and wooded, and I've cut some paths through to let the kids explore, and they've been exploring some. Well, Lisa and, and Slater, while they were home by themselves, the other kids were at school, and I was here at the church building at work, they were just wandering through the woods, and she said, Slater kind of said, I'm not sure this is such a good idea, because Lisa was kind of taking them out of path he had not been down before, a little bit farther away from the house where he couldn't even see the house anymore. And uh, he got a little bit nervous, like, are you sure you know the way? And sure enough, Lisa got a little bit turned around. Not one not a big crisis. Again, it's only 8.8 acres, so you're going to find your way somewhere pretty fast. But uh, it, Slater actually said, I think it's that way. And sure enough, he was right, And that Lisa was more turned around than Slater was. Anyway, he, he used the markers of what was around them. Maybe that tree or that hill or, you no, know, that little stump over there, whatever the case, you know, we use markers to maybe help find our way. Because like in Dallas, if I'm driving and I've changed I-30 again, and I'm frustrated and angry at my phone and the map, and, and, I, and I'm like, well, where am I? Well, there's Reunion Tower, okay. Got to figure out what side I'm on, but I can I can somewhat begin to get my bearings because I see something familiar. I hope that as our walk, as our way, as our journey in Christ and the road that can be kind of, have some twists and turns and unexpected things occur, some good, some not so good, that we won't ever lose our way because, well, obviously, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, but our baptism will kind of be a a marker. Ah, yeah. I remember where I am now. I remember, more importantly, who I'm supposed to be now. And that's how Paul talks about baptism in his letters. Like in Romans chapter 6, don't you know? Don't you remember that when you were baptized you died to sin? Some of you are asking, well, we can maybe just sin all we want, right? Because it might be even better because the more we sin, the more we get forgiveness. Forgiveness is good. That means the more we sin, the more forgiveness we get. And God's glorified even more. And Paul says, whoa, 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 hold on. That's not what God says. Don't you remember your baptism? Look back. See that marker over there? See see that tall, visible thing in your memory? Remember, you died to sin. Therefore, you don't live in it any longer. Baptism is this thing that begins our journey, but also keeps watch over our journey a little bit. That we always kind of have it in a rearview mirror, and we look often at it. Rose is learning to drive. One thing I'm having a reminder of some is check rearview mirrors. Don't drive only looking at the rearview mirror. That's dangerous. You need to look where you're going. But check your mirror. Well, look where you're going in walk with Christ, but always check your mirror. Remember, oh yeah, I was baptized. I chose to follow Jesus. And God has promised. I don't always feel like it, but God has promised. Now I've been declared righteous. Now I have the Holy Spirit. And now when God looks at me, he is pleased. I might not be pleased with myself, and I need to keep working. Absolutely. But don't forget, baptism was just the beginning. And don't forget that it propels us into our future.